10 years ago, on January 15th, State of Belief aired for the first time on Air America Radio. For me personally, and as the leader of Interfaith Alliance, the launch of this new initiative generated excitement, commitment, hope, and anxiety. In retrospect, these 10 years have been marked by fulfillment, surprise, affirmation, and perpetual struggles with the need for financial support. I remember vividly sitting down behind the microphone in an Air America studio for the first time, feeling a swarm of butterflies in my stomach as I listened to sounds of brass from Aaron Copeland's fanfare for the common man with which the program begins, and speaking my first words as the host of the show. Little did I know that I was beginning an incredibly satisfying and meaningful long-term relationship with a very faithful audience. My dear friend Walter Cronkite, who meant so much to Interfaith Alliance, was my first guest on State of Belief. Honestly, he seemed as excited as I felt. Given the love and respect that Walter, known as the most trusted man in America, evoked, Our first recording session attracted a sizable crowd surrounding our studio to see and hear this icon of integrity. Interfaith Alliance had and has something important to say to America. That was and is my conviction. I wanted this weekly program to demonstrate a public voice of religion devoted to reporting objectively, programming with inclusivity, and modeling civility. I felt it was important to stand in the intersection of religion, politics, and government, and from that vantage point, to speak of what we saw, heard, and thought. In negotiating a contract with the officials at Air America, I insisted on guaranteed independence for this show, to assure that from our microphone there would come no shouting, anger, partisanship, or prejudice. Rather, information, inspiration, conversations, and pluralism that could benefit the nation and demonstrate the positive aspects of religion. Diversity has been an essential value and a primary criterion in programming for State of Belief. Our guests have come from a variety of political perspectives, most religions that have a home in the United States, as well as atheists, nuns, humanists, and avowed secularists. Now, let me be specific. More than once, I have spoken to Ted Kennedy and to Pat Buchanan on State of Belief. Civil conversations have involved leaders from the religious right, and spokespersons from the Secular Coalition and the American Humanist Association. Representatives of the plethora of world religions have been regular contributors to State of Belief. Additionally, our passion for pluralism has taken us into the international community as well as neighborhoods just down the street. Our show has been strengthened and our vision broadened, by eyewitness accounts of crises from Vietnam, Ukraine, Russia, the Vatican, France, Switzerland, and Germany, among others. Listeners to State of Belief reflect the diversity of the show's guests. We hear regularly from fervent followers of religion, 
people who want nothing to do with religion, though they know the important role that religion plays in this nation, people angry at religion, and to my surprise, people who have left religion but want to find a place at which they can respect religion again. Recently, I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico to contribute to a panel discussion on religious freedom. As I walked out of a restaurant in town, a woman followed me to ask, aren't you Welton Gaddy? And when I said yes, she began to tell me about the importance of state of belief and the gratitude that she and her friends felt for this show. Similarly, a man on a plane identified me by my voice and encouraged me with his comments about his loyalty as a listener. Not long ago, on a visit to the Smithsonian, a curator stopped me to thank me for the gift of state of belief. Such comments thrill as well as humble all of us at state of belief and give us energy and encouragement sufficient to keep us doing what we do. I must confess that sometimes compliments from our listeners have stung me. I have a stack of mail from People who have written, I didn't know a minister could be reasonable. I've not been in a church for over 20 years, but you make me want to try it again. And I listen to State of Belief every Sunday night while sitting in my hot tub. Yes, I'm glad that listeners trust the integrity of our show, but such comments also make me aware of the bad reputation that religion has among many people and the assumption that a religious leader will be biased, uncivil, and unhelpful. I am delighted that as many people who have no religion, as people who have some relationship with religion, appreciate State of Belief as a program that cares about, seeks to address all of life. Topics addressed on State of Belief literally cover the worlds of tragedy and joy, celebrations and grief, conflict and peace, as well as always, always the meaning and importance of religious freedom, the cornerstone of our democracy and the best friend that religion in the public sector has ever had. Consequently, the archives of State of Belief contain comments that are profound, historical, shocking, and incredible. They provide insights into the development of progressive religion in our nation. Do I have a favorite show? No. I just have an incredible collection of great experiences. Memories of specific interviews tend to lodge in my mind for very specific, though very different reasons. Often, because of the name of our radio show, some guests assume that they're going on just another stereotypical religious radio show. They are surprised to realize that our audience has little patience for their narrow thoughts and offensive comments. Several times, such a situation has made for memorable interviews. In a conversation with the chaplain of the United States Senate, I inquired about the nature of his counsel to U.S. senators struggling with critical votes. The chaplain stunned me when he told me that he encourages senators 
to do what Jesus would want them to do. When I asked how he responded to senators who are not Christians, he explained casually that he just sends them to another religious leader. Wow. On another occasion, my jaw dropped open when a leader from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes insisted that Christian athletes have been proven to be superior in their athletic skills to non-Christian athletes. Mm. Strong emotions have pervaded some of our interviews and prompted tears. After the shootings at Virginia Tech, we convened a panel to talk about guns, death, grief, and more. While doing that show, it felt to me as if the airwaves were laced with compassion and grief and comfort. Long before it was popular to talk about same-gender marriage, we aired on State of Belief a conversation between religious leaders who held very different opinions on this issue. I was deeply moved by the civility with which that conversation unfolded and gratified that our listeners were exposed to mutual understanding, respect for differences, and support for equality and justice. Silence and sobs were as powerful as the commentary in two different conversations on State of Belief, one with Judy Shepard, a mother whose gay son was murdered, and a colleague with whom I worked diligently to get Congress to pass a meaningful hate crimes law, and later with my friend and superior businessman Mitchell Gold, whose book entitled Crisis documents the abuse inflicted on young people in the GLBTQ community. Lots of interviews have been enjoyable as well as meaningful, like talking with Sister Simone Campbell from her seat on the road during her nuns on the bus travels. A sense of awe filled me as I spoke with Ted Sorensen and verified his contribution to writing the speech on religion and presidential decision-making for President John F. Kennedy. Every interview with John Meacham has been inspiring as well as enlightening. The same can be said about unforgettable conversations with Emmy Award-winning actress Judith Light and the popular country music singer Shelley Blitzer-Wright. And I remember recording a show with Greg LaBelle, uh, one evening about 11.30, riding in the back seat of a rental car in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we were covering the Democratic National Convention. At no point in this past decade has it been easy to finance this important media endeavor. We could not have launched State of Belief without the help of Alex Forger, a former board member of Interfaith Alliance, who found donors interested in a radio broadcast committed to protecting freedom, advocating civility, strengthening democracy, and modeling religious integrity. Financial contributions from our listeners continue to be a strong base of support for us. In an extremely tight financial time, Auburn Seminary generously gave us money to keep us on the air. The school uses state of belief as a model for people studying broadcast journalism. 
And, of course, Interfaith Alliance has continued to budget money and devote staff time to be sure that this program stays alive. And I'm happy to tell you that the new executive at Interfaith Alliance, Rabbi Jack Moline, shares the same passion for state of belief as that which fills his predecessor. But, you know, we can no more continue this show without listeners than we can without sufficient financial support from our listeners. This 10th anniversary of State of Belief is a good time for our faithful listeners to demonstrate tangible support for this show so we can continue a unique radio experience that in a society that now seems bent toward negativity, screaming, and incivility— offers a sane, civil voice that promotes the kind of mutual understanding and respect that assure a vibrant democracy and religion with integrity. Obviously, I have written this piece from a first-person singular perspective. But surely you know that State of Belief is a collaborative production. It always has been and it always will be. For several weeks prior to the launch of State of Belief, my good friend Thaler Picar, a superb consultant, along with the show's first producer, Isaac Davey Aronson, looked at every dimension of this new endeavor, devoted to assuring a new public voice that would model the message of Interfaith Alliance. Subsequent producers of State of Belief, uh, Brandon McDonald and Julie Mayshack, have brought impressive skills to our show, uh, assuring continuation of a high-quality broadcast. Our current producer of State of Belief, Ray Kirstein, is singularly committed to producing a radio show that is technically sound and substantially educational, provocative, and inspirational, a show that is characterized best by the descriptive terms that we have used since our first days on the air— Religion and radio done differently. Honestly, friends, over the past 10 years, I cannot remember a time when the microphone went live and we began to tape State of Belief that I didn't feel excitement and promise regarding the way in which this radio show could make our country better. I am grateful for all who give to us, listen to us, and provide encouragement to us. It's great to be a part of a radio program that tries to do over airwaves what at the end of every broadcast I call on our listeners to do through personal relationships. You all take care of each other. To me, that's state of belief.